Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are recording to you less than 12 hours after... The Olympic tennis finally concluded, Catherine Whitaker. You and I have uh, convened. We're both wearing dark sunglasses. There's a very good reason for that. <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to explain. <laughs> we've not slept very much, have we? Thank, thank you, Juan Martín del Potro. Yeah. Uh, we've, well, I've been up until 4am pretty much every night since the Olympics started. But, uh, uh, yeah, you were up in the name of Andy Murray and Juan Martín del Potro last night. Yes, I, I was. I, I've been the, uh, the the poor relation in terms of the staying up late uh, on the tennis podcast over the last 11 days. I've only managed uh, the, the two nights uh, when Djokovic lost uh, to Del Potro and then last night when Andy Murray won gold. But Catherine has been the night owl and uh, has lived and breathed every single moment of Olympic action with her 12 screens all at the same time. And I tell you, even, even looking at the tennis event in isolation... It, it's difficult to know where to start this tennis podcast. Who do you talk about? Do you talk about Monica Puig, the first ever human being from Puerto Rico to win a gold medal in the Olympics, who won gold by beating Angelique Kerber? Do you start with Venus Williams at the age of 36, winning silver and just missing out against Matic Sands and Jack Sock? Do you start with Rafael Nadal winning gold alongside Mark Lopez? just a few months after having wrist problems and, and pulling out of the French Open? Do you start with Vesnina and Makarova, who won the doubles gold? Or what about Andy Murray last night, edging out one Martin Del Potro, who in so many ways himself has been the story of the 2016 Olympics in Rio? I mean, I'm filling up just thinking about it all. Yeah, I think every single one of those moments you just described made me uh, cry to some degree. I, I, I mean, this... Olymp well, this Olympics, but this Olympic tennis tournament has had absolutely everything. I don't think you could have wished for anything more other than perhaps Roger Federer and Milos Raonic and Simona Halep and Thomas Burdick and a few others. But you know what? More fool them that they weren't part of part of this and, and that they didn't have the opportunity to represent their country because it was the most glorious advert for tennis it's had some of the best crowds and I know that's because Gustavo Quirton brought tennis to Brazil Brazil gets tennis because of Guga and I get that you know it's got the foundation people will have seen Olympic tennis okay 
I'll buy a ticket to that. I know what I'm going to get in a way that they perhaps wouldn't with other sports. But um, I do, handing it to me to to know where to start, and I'm not sure. Perhaps we should start with Andy Murray because it's the most recent. We, I mean, it happened mere hours ago, and uh, I'm still I'm still yet to really process what happened there. I mean. Yeah, we are British, and I mean, against anyone other than Andy Murray, I would have been cheering to my wits' end for Juan Martín del Potro. I mean, what a story! What a what a guy! I mean, I said last week, just after getting that win over Djokovic, that I'm not sure, even when he was back home in Tandil, Argentina, dreaming of perhaps what he could achieve on a comeback, I'm not sure he really even dreamed of, of doing what he did against Djokovic at the Olympics. I definitely don't think he dreamed of doing better than he did at the London Olympics, something which he'd probably have cited until yesterday as the second proudest, one, of, maybe even the proudest moment of his career. Perhaps it, it did top the US Open title. So, I mean, it's very, very difficult to put it all into words that's been a bit of a theme of the olympics hasn't it i mean the swimming commentators struggling to find adjectives for michael phelps i mean you do you run out a bit you do run out a bit i i would say in terms of the emotion of of the victories that that del potro clocked up culminating in that four set narrow defeat to, to andy murray last night i would say the whole ride as a whole has has been the most memorable of his career because of the adversities that he's had to deal with and the unlikeliness of him actually ever doing this because there's there's that picture from 14 months ago of him sitting in his hospital bed having just had surgery again, again. And honestly... Roger Federer's got that photo on his bedroom wall at the moment for inspiration, hasn't he? Yeah, well, exactly. Federer out until the end of the year at the very least, but... I, I mean, we don't know anybody who um, who speaks ill of Juan Martin Del Potro. I certainly can't think of anybody. He's a he's a he's a lovely fella, and um, the perseverance that he's had to come back from this. You know, a multi-millionaire, a hero in Argentina. He didn't need to do this, but it, but it's unfinished business, isn't it? You know, you look at the career of Juan Martin Del Potro. You look at his attributes, and you think there is a man who should have been part of this group at the top right there because he was capable of beating them all on a given day. And we've seen it this past week and a bit, and that's without a, a backhand of the level that he had a few years ago. You know, he plays tennis that makes the heart sing. And there were just... And, and you know, as exhausted as he was, there were so many moments in that match where I just kept thinking, this isn't over yet. This guy has reserves. He He... He might move. I, I remember thinking that he moves between points. He looks like the sloth in uh, in Zootopia, you know, just this sort of slow motion character. And then when the point starts, he looks like the Hulk. He looked like he had nothing left from that second game, didn't he? That second game that lasted about 25 minutes. I was sat there watching with my family who my, my parents are quite early to bed people and I was challenging them, will you stay up for this? How far did come they on, get? Come on, this this is... This is as good as it gets tennis-wise. Are you going to stay up? And they said, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah." Uh, <laughs> How far did they get? My dad got to the end of the first set. My mum, my mum deserves a shout out because she made it right to the end. Wow, well done, mum. Well done, mum. Uh, yeah, that, but that's but after they said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll make it right to the end." And then after that second game, my dad turned to me and said, "Actually, 
I'll find out the result in the morning, or uh, you know, where's the uh, where's the remote? I'll watch it on playback. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, he, he looked like he had nothing left in the tank from that moment, as you say. He walks around with a slightly hangdog demeanour, which is which must be very disconcerting for Andy Murray because you, he he obviously went into that match thinking, you know, this guy hasn't played a five-set match in however long. You know, even even if he's beating me, I, I can think just hang in there because if I can make it a a marathon I I will win this but then you if you can't really trust the body language of your opponent if if they're if they look spent even when they're not spent if you can't if 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 you if you can't trust that then I don't know it just must be very disconcerting for him and just there were so many added dimensions to it the the the, I I had uh not fully appreciated the level of uh hatred's not the right word rivalry is not a strong enough word though between Argentina and Brazil I mean apparently there were Brazilians buying up Scottish wigs yesterday to support Andy Murray just because he was playing Juan Martín Del Potro I think a lot of those uh, <laughs> they might have been Guga wigs <laughs> they might have been good yeah not not a whole lot of difference uh, yeah I hadn't fully appreciated that and the added dimension that brought to the whole final was extraordinary just just little things you get with Olympic tennis that you don't get anywhere else. The fact that you lose a silver medal, but you win a bronze medal. The fact that in the moment of gaining that medal, it, it feels better to get a bronze than it does a silver. I mean, the, the, the psychological aspect of that is, is incredible, I find. You know, he, he probably felt better, well, certainly felt better in London winning the bronze than he did losing the silver yesterday. I'm sure on reflection that changes completely but in that moment that's that's the case I love that I I love and I love that and I was thinking you know on last week's podcast we you know we we were discussing the the doubters about Olympic tennis and there's there's lots of I think reasonably valid arguments to the doubters about Olympic tennis I happen not to agree with them on balance but I, I don't think there aren't valid arguments against Olympic tennis um but but looking at what we saw last week and we were discussing you know should there be some kind of team element you know a lot of people say well you've got to change up the format to 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 make it more different well how could there have been more of a team element could either of those two players on the court yesterday been feeling more like they were representing their country more than themselves the same applies to Monica Puig and Angelique Kerber and everybody in the doubles I mean there was as much of a team element as you could ever insert with any kind of format change for me. Yes, I, I would agree. I think the thing is, if you have this debate now in the afterglow of that Olympic week, I'd, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who thinks that not having tennis in the Olympics is a good idea because it, it was just such a joyous eight days. I mean, you, you mentioned the players that weren't there, many of whom I think had valid concerns and and would have been perhaps worried about the Zika virus and so forth hopefully all ends up being unfounded concerns in terms of players and and athletes that end up having a problem because of it but you know there's not I don't think there's one of them that wouldn't have been won over by what they would have witnessed on the TV and heard on the radio and and read about in terms of the sheer joy of the last eight days now Andy Murray Catherine, I read uh, a piece by Mike Dixon in uh, the Daily Mail this morning who said, I think we may well be at peak Murray right now. This guy has not lost to anybody 
not named Djokovic since mid-April and he's won his last 18 matches and he's won five queens and he's won Wimbledon he's the Davis Cup reigning champion he's the Olympic gold medalist he's, uh, he's reached the other two Grand Slam finals this year I mean this is as good as we've ever seen from him I think we're unquestionably at peak Murray I think uh, I mean I know there's still we're recording here at, at late morning early afternoon on Monday we understand he is travelling to Cincinnati I know there's still time for him to pull out if he gets there and it just feels exhausted but at the moment he intends to play and for me that's a statement of intent about this is my time if I'm going to make world number one it means going to Cincinnati profiting from the fact that Djokovic isn't there that he has final points to defend for me it's not just about world number one I know that Cincinnati the surface is considered the most similar to the US Open it is about US Open preparation as well and about hoping to get another title but for me, the, the, that, the biggest statement about going to Cincinnati is about world number one, is acknowledging it's an indicator that he knows this is peak Murray, this is my time. There's still a huge question mark, a lot of how, how, how much it's, its, moment, it's his moment in the sun depends on Djokovic, who's a bit of an unknown quantity at the moment. And until we see him play Djokovic, it's, it, it will be a big question mark. And we won't see that at the earliest until the US Open but he knows he knows this is his time I should add everybody if you hear uh, all these uh, big noises in the background we're not at an airport we're actually at a railway station Catherine Whitaker and I sitting in the sun in our dark sunglasses Catherine sipping on a gin and tonic oh no it's uh, sparkling water isn't it Catherine sorry I, I, how dare I um, but yeah it's um, it, it, it's going to be so interesting the next six months actually I think to see whether Murray can reel Djokovic in because there is a big question mark over Djokovic in terms of whether he's fully fit at the moment whether he's got more of a problem than just fatigue and and maybe a lack of I don't want to say motivation but how do you how do you follow how do you top what he's already done in the last couple of years I mean he's just won everything I, I don't know how often you can keep doing that without slightly losing that little edge well, maybe he needs Murray to reel him in to get the motivation back, to, f- to feel like he's got something to protect, to, to, to get that feeling of you know, what we thought we were going to see um, in the Davis Cup tie in Belgrade. In the end, neither of them played. Andy Murray was, of course, there. But that, that description you gave of you're coming onto my patch, I'm going to puff out my chest and defend my territory, maybe the equivalent of that in rankings terms, in Grand Slam terms, is is what Novak Djokovic needs to, to provide motivation. I don't. I mean, I think it would be entirely understandable if he was struggling a little momentarily for motivation, but I would expect him to, to find it from somewhere pretty damn soon. That final between uh, Murray and Del Potro was best of five sets, having been best of three all the way through until that point at the Olympics. Where do you stand on that? I mean... Uh, in, in one of my more um, justifiable pole vaults, um, I, I actually asked that question during the match last night, and I think I, think I asked it at once at all, uh, and one game all in the third. So we were already two hours plus into a fantastic match, of which I don't think there'd be too many people in the world complaining if it had ended in three because it had been so good. Um, and I asked, should this match be best of three or best of five? Should it be... Three with a tie break, three without a tie break, five with a tie break, 
five without a tie break and the the, res- the response was so even between the four options where do you stand on it i stand i really like the format of of upping the ante for the final i i believe it should be best of three first week best of five second week i think for slams for slams and and for the olympics as it was I think for the Olympics, as it is, because it's a 64 draw, I think that's fine. I think, I mean, maybe semis and finals, but I don't think it necessarily needs tweaking. I think so many... I think that solution achieves as many of, of the problem-solving issues in tennis as can be achieved with fewest downsides. As, as, as you know, I think that, that that's the, the swiftest route to some kind of equality in terms of men and women playing the same. And I also think it would provide the greatest spectacle provides some preservation of these athletes bodies just provide them a little bit of extra let up but you still preserve we ca- we cannot live without the five set format of this game we we cannot very small cross section of opinion from people that we know and respect within the tennis media world Catherine we know that uh, our colleague Ben Rothenberg is a, a huge proponent of, of reducing two to best of three at all levels um, wants to preserve the players and and have tennis decide the winner and not uh, not sort of um, stamina um, and, and physicality. Uh, I, I, when he was talking about preserving the longevity of careers, I did make the point that, uh, yeah, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are not exactly struggling for longevity. Yeah, but I also think that, I mean, that what makes tennis so, what I believe, the best sport, and uh, as we've unearthed in the past couple of weeks, I love all the sport, <laughs> um, is that for me it is the ultimate test on every level it is the ultimate skill test it's the hardest sport I've ever tried and I've tried most sports you know I was a figure skater that's bloody difficult tennis is harder to be to be good at could you imagine if I had a go at figure stake skating <laughs> oh gosh don't you've planted that image in the mind of all the listeners David um it is for me is the ultimate skills test it is the ultimate physical test pretty much it's it, not Perhaps not head, and, perhaps not above other sports like cycling, etc. But for me, it's on par, um, and it is the ultimate mental test. It is the old. It's got all the tests. You need. You, you cannot have a weakness anywhere. And if you take away the endurance element, I think tennis loses just a little bit of something that it can be very proud of John Wertheim uh, from Sports Illustrated another big supporter of best of three over best of five he thinks best of five is is outdated and, and, and really causing problems for TV schedules as well as um, more so the, the physicality elements for the players I would still argue I, I do think that we need to preserve it certainly in the latter stages of these tournaments and, and bring it into the women's game and, and it's to me the other element of it is, is preservation against nerves because best of three by the time a, a, certainly a new finalist has settled down a match can be over in best of three and you haven't had a match at all yeah, I agree, and I and I and this sort of the the TV argument I feel a little bit uncomfortable with because that's sort of playing into our society's decreasing attention spans, and I don't think we should be pandering to that. I think we should be saying no, this is blooming great sport. 
you want to sit there and watch five hours of it. We're going to make you watch it. <laughs> we're going to make you watch all of it. It's like my attitude towards the Olympics. We were, we were debating on WhatsApp the other day, the Olympics, and you were saying it's just too much. I, I log on to the BBC iPlayer and I don't know... I, it just befuddles me because there's too much going on and I don't know where to start. And I say, yeah, but and it's just on all day. You know, there's no relief from it. And that's that's what I love about it, that I wake up in the morning and I, and I think, oh, my God, there's no Olympics on. How long do I have to wait till there's Olympics? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Picks on. It's what I love about Test Match Cricket. It's, I mean, you... I, I, I don't. You cannot lose the for, that format altogether. You can't. Okay, Catherine Whitaker has spoken here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph. One of the, perhaps the most glorious of all stories from this 2016 Olympics from the tennis side was the victory of Monica Puig. I mean, <laughs> show me one person who thought Monica Puig was going to win Olympic gold when it started. But to get back to our conversation of last week show us anybody who thought that Nicolas Massou was going to do the same in 04 she is quite a story isn't she why, why haven't we seen her in semi-finals of Grand Slams why has she not been able to make this breakthrough before I know she's been talked about to some extent but then she seems to have since that breakthrough and since everyone went oh yeah there's this Monica Puig person that, that's breaking on the scene she looks quite good since then talk sort of died down a bit and she's settled in as a sort of third round Grand Slam player well, so why? why explain why when you get to the to the Olympics these some certain players just become different and, 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 and are getting results that they would not get anywhere else I mentioned uh, Nicolas Massou Mark Rosse who was hitherto known for being the tallest man on the tennis circuit and having the biggest serve, suddenly wins Olympic gold 
uh, how does this happen? I mean, aside from the fact that maybe the, the field is a little weaker and so forth and people aren't peaking in the same way, but Monica Puig beat everybody, really. Uh, aside from Serena Williams, she beat Garbini Magarutha. She beat Angelique Kerber in the final with Kerber just scrapping for a life and yet Puig still won. Well, it has to be the playing for your country element, hasn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's the variable that's different. I mean, there are a couple of other minor things, but that is the main variable that's different. It's almost... You can hide your nerves under that flag, under your country's flag. Almost, it almost, I, I guess, maybe seems self-indulgent to have to have nerves, to, to not play your best when you're representing your your country. That's not good enough. You know, it's one thing to let yourself down, letting your country down is 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 not enough. I mean, and I think that's a, it. Is it's, it's not good enough? Perhaps I'm, I'm. I mean, that that's not necessarily how I would see it, but I can imagine that's how an athlete would see it, and. Uh, it has to be that. Has to be that. I mean, the outlet. I know we saw an outpouring of emotion from Andy Murray after he won Wimbledon, and I know we are seeing increasing emotion from Andy Murray. But the emotion we saw last night—it was the sort of emotion that you, you, British people aren't very comfortable with expressing emotion and putting yourself out there. But it's it's almost like an armor, the flag, your country's flag. It's an armor. It's something you know. This isn't for me, you know. There's something a bit sort of... It's like, you know, when sports people do interviews and they start talking in the second person, when they're actually talking about themselves, you know, oh, you've got to go out there and try your best. No, you mean I've got to go out there and try my best. There's something sort of you're you're trying to put a a barrier up, aren't you? I'm not talking about me. and, And I think the flag of your country can provide that barrier and can make you, I don't know, more comfortable with the emotion of it, with with everything that goes with it see normally on the tennis podcast i'm a bit reluctant to blub but i'm blubbing right now and we've got the the the, the flag of the olympics over us right here at london marlebone station anyway um so monica puig were i mean the, the celebration from her and, and her reaction on social media and the, the reaction I, I saw this crowd assembled around a screen back in puerto rico the reaction it it does make you feel good to be alive, doesn't it? And to, to be following sport, to see that sort of thing. A very frosty handshake between her and, uh, and Angelique Kerber. And um, I'm, I'm not really sure what the origin of, of that tension was, or maybe it was just disappointment in the moment. But, uh, I, I mean, benefit of the doubt, it was a big moment for Kerber, and she didn't deliver. Yeah, I was a bit confused by that. I didn't... I missed the very early stages of the match I d- and, I, and I was confused as to whether there was some sort of incident that I'd missed which had led to that because I, I didn't see one I didn't see any you know big umpiring debacle or exchange or anything that could have led to a particularly frosty exchange but the comparison with the exchange between Murray and Del Potro at the net which was really really quite emotional um, was was stark Maybe uh, it, I mean Maybe I can't. I can't really imagine the disappointment from Angelique Kerber. You, she must have gone into that match thinking a, a gold medal is mine to lose, and she must feel like she lost it. She didn't. Yeah, suddenly Mon- she Monica Puig took it away from her. She but. was suddenly in the Serena Williams shoes, wasn't she? Favorite, and it's it's 
probably a very different feeling, a different pressure. But um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Cincinnati in a little while, but Kerber goes into that with a chance of world number one. Hence why, one of the reasons I suspect why Serena Williams is playing that event. Uh, elsewhere, we talked about uh, some of the other stories that came out, other medal-winning performances. And Rafael Nadal, in general, was, was you know not too far behind Juan Martín del Potro in terms of uh, emotional backstories, given what he's been through the last few months. Um, and... For him to win doubles gold, I mean, there's a wonderful photo of him and Mark Lopez on completely opposite sides of the court, both on the floor, celebrating their their gold medal, and then just looking up and saying, we did it. How about that? And everything that's happened this week makes me um, want to retract what I said in my monologue podcast about most players feeling like the Olympics is a, is a box to tick, a box that they desperately want to tick, but once they've got it, you know, that's job done. Because Andy Murray and Rafael Nadal, but well, Rafael Nadal had a singles singles gold. Um, Andy Murray had a singles gold, a mixed double silver, and they wanted it as much as anyone, more than anyone. Uh, so it's not a box ticking exercise. It's not, and I feel, how, how can you see an Olympic gold as a box ticking exercise I, I think there's possibly still some players that see it that way I think for no I think maybe they do possibly it was that they, they, they might do beforehand but look the way look at the way Djokovic reacted after his loss to Del Potro I mean that that was another I mean it was, it was, it was heartbreaking to see him in it, it respond to the defeat in floods of tears and probably a realisation that well this may never happen or at least I've got to wait four years for it and I, I do think it's, there's a difference between the perception before the event starts from everybody. You don't think about it too much. Olympics, yeah, it's on the schedule. I'll go there, I won't go there. When it starts, <laughs> everything changes. Everything changes. And you saw the reaction from just about everybody in that regard. Another fantastically emotional reaction was that of Bethany Matic Sands and Jack Sock winning gold and I mean I love Bethany Matic Sands we've had her on the podcast before she's been with us in the Vive Live commentary box she's she's good fun she's a bit out there and my goodness she performed unbelievably when it mattered in the tie break to defeat Venus Williams and uh, and Rajiv Ram my mum always says whenever she watches any close sporting event it's a shame somebody has to lose. It doesn't matter what the event is. It's a shame somebody has to lose. And you did. I did watch that and think exactly that. And I've thought that a few times over the last seven days. Yeah, I do agree. But to your mum, I would say, uh, you know, Venus Williams has, has got her three golds. <laughs> and Rajiv Ram didn't think he was going to be going to the Olympics. He, I mean, so to get a silver medal on reflection... He will be delighted with that. I think, you know, the sort of the net joy that could come from all the, the various outcomes of that match, I think the net joy, the utilitarian argument would be that that was the best outcome. OK, so we're going for the greater good we're overall. Going, we're going for the greater good. I mean, the joy, the joy on Jack Sock and Bethany Matic-Sand's faces is amazing. And, the, the, I mean, that Olympic gold, when it goes on the medal table counts the same as Andy Murray's it counts the same as Monica Puig's it's an Olympic gold it is an Olympic gold um Elena Vesnina and Katerina Makarova great doubles team over the years and underlining that point by winning doubles gold at the Olympics and beating Martina Hingis in the process what a year Elena Vesnina is having extraordinary I mean yeah and not just I mean I'm I'm 
banging on about the same thing over and over again. Olympic skeptics probably tuned tuned out by now, fed up with me. But uh, she she never imagined that she could experience a moment like that on the tennis court. I don't think you could see that in her reaction and and to do it with a friend. I mean, and they're a regular doubles team, so they're going to be formidable. Beating Bashinsky Hingis in the final, it, it, a very unexpected announcement from Hingis Mirza during the tournament strange timing as well announcing that they won't be playing together anymore I think that took everybody by surprise so in light of that I think Hingis did very well to reach the final in light of the fact that you know her whole Olympic plan was torn to shreds in the lead up really by Roger Federer Belinda Bencic and Stan Wawrinka so as much as she would have had her heart set on gold I think when the dust settles silver will look pretty sweet. Especially when you consider she was playing in the 1996 Olympics. I mean, crikey, 20 years on. So I think that just about wraps up Olympics 2016. I think we both agree it was pretty awesome. It was it was pretty awesome, yeah. From a tennis perspective, there's still lots more to come. Of course, Catherine will be there, just tuned in <laughs> constantly. I mean, seriously, you know, we've had conversations, like, you know, she doesn't do anything else. I mean, people are trying to prize her away just to eat and stuff like that and it's I mean you know it's a challenge um, other tennis things have been going on over the course of the last uh, few days Catherine um, and it, it somehow feels fitting that when one Martin Del Potro had this this amazing week of of sort of salvation really having come back from all the all the problems he's had with the wrist problems Laura Robson won a tournament it was a it was a low grade tournament relatively speaking but frankly who cares she she won one she 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 won some matches in a row I'm really impressed by that um because it must have been really tough for her playing that tournament during the during the Olympics where she won a silver medal last time around when she was you know she was she was the person that Andy Murray chose to play mixed doubles with you know she was the leading female and she had everything ahead of her and what a reminder, what a marker of what a terrible four years it's been. It must have been for her. And I, I honestly, I've questioned her stomach for the fight of, of going out there on, you know, playing in front of nobody in the middle of nowhere for nothing. It just in order to get back to somewhere near where she was. I think that takes quite the stomach. I mean... Del Pocho was evidence of that and um, if you can do it in, in a week when there's, there's that going on as a, as a reminder of just how different life is to how it was four years ago then you can probably do it any week and that's the thing now she needs to string it all together she needs to do it week after week after week get on a roll that's how you get your ranking up there Will she be a top 50 player again in her life? <sighs> top 50 um, Will she be a top I think she'll be a t- Yes, okay, yes, I think she will be. Well, I, t- I can tell you, in the pole vault, 50% of people agree with you because I asked this question at Tennis Podcast. Pole vault, if you're wondering what I'm banging on about, is the name that I've given to the poles that we love to run, or I love to run, and Catherine hates to run, but has to just deal with it anyway, uh, on at Tennis Podcast. And 50% of people thought that uh, Laura Robson will eventually be a top 50 player once more. 38% of you think she won't be, but will make the top 100. 12% say not a chance. But I, I think she will. Uh, I think that it, it needed this. It needed this start. And if she can stay fit now, 
she can get on a roll. And one of the examples of how quickly you can do it is Dan Evans, who we'll talk about next, who's just gone to 60 in the world by winning a Challenger tournament in Aptos. And there's, there was, I was watching the last few minutes of this match, and it was comical to watch Dan Evans win match points go to his chair, do the, cha- do the handshake, sit on his chair and get his phone out. And I immediately said, there he goes to check Andy Murray's score. And then he immediately responded, yes, that's exactly what I was doing. 60 in the world, Dan Evans. 60 in the world. Never in doubt, Catherine Whitaker. <laughs> Us Brummies are made of tough stuff. I can't, I can't, can't believe it. We're underrated. Not, not because he doesn't have the talent, but I mean, that's a far bigger deal than his run at the US Open three years ago. Far bigger deal. Far, far bigger deal. Getting to 60 in the world, being consistent. I mean, this is... And he could go higher. He could go higher, I believe. You know, 60 in the world, he's going to get into qualies now for Masters Series events. He's not that far off the prospect of major entry for Masters Series events. We could be seeing Dan Evans week in, week out at the biggest tournaments. I mean, he could be on our TV screens all the time. You won't have to search for dodgy links to watch Dan Evans on your laptop anymore, David. She's looking at me as if I do that which I do. Um, But anyway, yes, that's going to happen in the future. Of course it is. Uh, So that is what we've got to talk about so far on the Tennis Podcast. Is there anything else uh, that we've missed, Catherine? We've had uh, lots going on. We've got Cincinnati coming up. That's starting in a few hours' time. That's where I'm on my way to, BT Sport, coverage of the WTA event there. I mentioned Kerber. In with a shout, I haven't seen the exact statistics yet, but in with a shout of getting to world number one, and Serena Williams has announced her participation as well in that draw. Yeah, and you wonder whether Serena Williams is playing in spite of the shoulder injury just to try and defend that number one ranking spot, or whether her participation is an indicator that that injury is not as grave as we feared. Um, well, we'll find out in the next few days, won't we? And uh, yeah, on the subject, since there were reports from from Simon Reid, who was commentating for the BBC at the start of that Andy Murray match, that Rafael Nadal and Andy Murray had had booked a private jet together for later on that evening to go to Cincinnati. I mean, in light of that, Rafa was probably sat on the jet, you know, looking looking at his watch, thinking, "What's going on here?" But then I saw Chris Hoy, the great cyclist, tweet late last night. It was about. 3.30 in the morning UK time, so 11.30 Rio time, that he'd just seen Rafael Nadal get turned away from the Chinese restaurant he was in because they didn't have a table for him. So they obviously rescheduled their plans to fly to Cincinnati last night. Presumably they're flying at some point today. Who had that Chinese restaurant <laughs> got in to turn away Rafael Nadal? Well, exactly. And in the tweet, Hoy speculated that Murray would show up next and <laughs> would they turn him away? No, only gold medalists allowed, sorry. Hold on, Rafa's a gold medalist. Well, only... Twice over. Take it back. Well, yeah, maybe Andy Murray did get turned away later on that day, later on the evening. Um, yeah, my just one final thing I'd like to say, possibly my favourite moment of Olympic tennis was Andy Murray on the podium. One of the most... One of the only <laughs> perplexing things about this Olympics has been the strange plastic ornaments that are presented to all the medalists when they're on the podium. It is, this is, it's been pitted as the Green Olympics, the Sustainable Olympics, which I believe is why they're not presenting flowers along with the medals as they usually would. So instead they're giving 
weird sort of what looks like the sort of tat you'd buy in a <laughs> in a gift shop at the end of a I don't know, in a museum gift shop or something uh, they're giving those out and Andy Murray was sort of fiddling with his on the podium he seemed to break it and <laughs> didn't know what to do with it so he just chucked it to somebody in the crowd quietly while he was doing his lap of honour let's pretend let's pretend that didn't happen <laughs> brilliant uh, so yeah Cincinnati about to start uh, incidentally you know it's a year ago in Cincinnati where um, where we had uh, Roger Federer inventing Sabre can you believe that's a year ago Djokovic was struggling we were debating that he eventually went on to win the US Open Murray had just won in Canada so it feels a little bit similar in many ways, except poor old Roger's not around just at the moment. We do hope he'll be back soon. Um, Catherine, you're going to be chatting away on TalkSport 2 later this week on Cincinnati on the men's tournament. If you'd like to hear Catherine, I'll be on BT Sport covering the women's tournament over the next few days. Coverage starts from us today at 4 o'clock. And uh, I have just read a press release as well from Eurosport, Catherine Whitaker. There was a, there was a name on it that I recognise. It was Catherine Whitaker says that you're going to be at the US Open alongside a massive lineup of, uh, of talent for them. And uh, that is going to be a crack in a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it really is going to be a cracking couple of weeks. There's just more unknowns than there have been going into a Grand Slam for, for a little while. And that is what makes sport such a joy, isn't it? It's going to be, I, I predict, possibly one of the the best Grand Slams in recent years I, I think you're right I'll be there for BBC Five Live Catherine will be there for Eurosport you'll be there watching every single moment of it and listening to us on the radio we do hope and listening to what we intend to bring you which is a daily tennis podcast from the US Open Catherine Whittaker are you up for it? <laughs> Ask me when I'm less tired. That's because when she's less tired, uh, I'll, we'll do exactly that. Thank you for listening to us. And uh, do follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Been a pleasure to talk to you. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.